Welcome to Way Family Church. You're listening to our sermon podcast. Way Family Church is a new church plant in Tucson, Arizona. We welcome you to join us every Sunday morning at 1030 for worship, the word, and fellowship. If you'd like more information, visit us online at wayfamily.church. Let's, hey, let's, let's jump right in. Let's jump right in. I'm going I'm to go ahead and follow this. You'll see some slides up there, but I'm going to go ahead and follow this idea called the Three Circles written by Jimmy Scroggins. And I was able to put uh, the Roman road on there, if you're familiar with that. It's from the book of Romans. It actually talks about how to come to faith and how to live a life of faith. So we'll start here with Genesis 1.1. Hey, this is, the first, this is the first verse in the Bible. Like if you don't read the Bible, if you were to read the Bible, you open it up, there it is, first sentence. And it says this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Right out of the gate, think about this. In the beginning, God is before time. God creates time, space, matter, and energy. Right out of the gate. God is a God of design. And we're gonna throw a design, we're gonna throw a design circle up there. Emma, whenever you can. Throw that up there, please. So God is a God of design. And the reason I want to show you this. This design is that we think in pictures. We do. In fact, a person's mental machinery, when you see a picture like this picture right here, it helps you grasp a concept about 87% of the time when you see pictures. So I appreciate those of you who love rote memory. You have your list with all your, with, with all your sentences and all the words you've got to memorize. That's how we learn a lot in school, right? Rote memory. I appreciate that. that the rest of us usually just say, why? Why do we have to do this? <laughs> you're killing me, Smalls, you're killing me. But to see a picture helps you grasp that concept. So I want to show you a picture today. It's called The Three Circles, uh, developed by a friend of mine, Jimmy Scroggins. Not a, not a BFF or anything, but I've met him and I have permission to use it. And you can use it as well. First is God's design, Genesis 1-1. Out of the gate, God creates time, space, matter, and energy. So most people, I checked out the research, most people in our country, in America, we believe that God exists. Most people, in fact, approximately 89% believe that there is a God and He exists. However, some would say, well, I don't know. I wouldn't say God. I would say there's a higher power exists. That's probably about 11%, okay? So when you put it all together, you've got about 89%. Uh, most, so most people believe God exists. However, I want you to consider what is true and what is real, okay? So here's a true fact you learn in school. The earth is 25,000 miles in circumference, right? You learn that in school. You're better for it, right? You know the earth is 25, it's true, but does it make any difference to you in the way you live your life today? Probably not unless you're an international pilot, right? Flying across time zones, then you better know then you better know where you're at, and you better know what part of the earth you're on, right, if you're a pilot in that way. But it's true, yet it doesn't make any, it, it, it doesn't make any, any impact in the way we live our daily lives. So we say that God is true, right? So we believe gravity, right? Do we believe gravity is true and real? Just stay with me here. We're talking about God's design, all right? Stay with me. We believe that gravity is true, right? Do we believe it's real? Yeah, I worked at U of A all these years. 
And I still remember this guy saying, I do not believe that gravity exists. I said, for real, you don't believe gravity exists? I said, you see that guy up there working on the bell tower? I said, what if you, what if you were to fall? What if he falls? Is he gonna float to the ground? No one is gonna be on their roof working, right? And you're not gonna just jump off the roof, right? You're gonna go ahead and you're gonna go down the ladder. Because if you jump off the roof, what's gonna happen? You're gonna break your legs. <laughs> you're probably gonna break your wrist. You're gonna wake up in a hospital and we will visit you and say, what were you thinking? You know, what were you thinking? Um, Brandon, come on, use your ladder, all right? So, gravity is not only true, but we believe gravity is real. So we can say that we believe God exists like most people in our country do, but do we believe, but do we believe that God has any real presence? God has any real, any real um, um, initiation in our life? Do we live that way? And we believe God exists, but it's true, but is God real in our lives? Are you following me? You tracking? All right, good. So as followers of Jesus, um, we believe that God has a design for every single area of our life. And go ahead and look on your, look on, uh, look on your chart right here. You'll see Romans 120 about God being true and real. It says, for his invisible attributes, that is his eternal power and divine nature, have clearly been seen since the creation of the world, being understood through what he's made. As a result, people are without excuse. God is real. You just look and you'll see. God is real. God reveals himself through nature, for sure. So God is a God of design, okay? First circle. So as followers of Jesus, we believe God has a design for every area of our lives. Is God involved in every area? That includes, is God involved in your family? Is God involved in your marriage? Is he involved in your work life, in your education? Is he involved in your sex life? Is he involved, is, does God control your money? Is God in control of your career? Is God in control of, and you go on and on and on, is God involved in your life? And that's important to ask that question. So God has a design for everything in our lives. The problem is there's something within us that wants to go our own way. And so what we do is we actually leave God's design. And when we leave God's design, we actually end up in brokenness. Whenever we leave God's design, and the Bible word for leaving God's design is sin. Right? And you can see sin on your, on your graph right there. And sin is anything, uh, for all is sin and fall short of the glory of God. And I had, a, had an older gentleman talk to me about sin one day. And I'm, I'm, I'm not from a religious home. I can, I can tell you that my family, we never went to church together as a family, ever, ever. Um, I went because a little guy down the street, Michael Miller, invited me to go to worship with him one day, and there was food. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I'm a poor kid from from other side of town, and it was just great to go and eat. And I absolutely enjoyed it. And I've been coming ever since. And I see we have food today. <laughs> Score. All right, <laughs> I'm excited about that. Hey, so. Uh, Sin is anything, look at it this way, sin is anything you think that doesn't please God. Have you ever thought anything that didn't please God? Sin is anything you say that doesn't please God. Have you ever said anything that didn't please God? Sin is anything you do that doesn't please God. Think, say, or do. Have you ever done that? If you have, you've entered into the realm of sin. And what we do is we depart, we leave God's design, and we always find ourselves, when we leave God's design, in brokenness. In Brokenness is that second circle, and Adam and Eve, as you read your Bible, Adam and Eve were the first humans, 
and they sinned. They actually left God's design. They disobeyed God. And we continue in this fall with them. We actually join them in brokenness because we live in a broken world. Hey, would you agree with that? The world's kind of jacked up, right? I mean, it's interesting that uh, we were all... I don't want to go off on a tangent here, but, but all the news, all the media was all for uh, the Ukraine war, right? Do you hear about that anymore, right? It's like we hear what we're supposed to hear, and now we don't hear about it much anymore, right? If you want to find out about it, you really got to dig and look and read to say, what's going on there? You know, this was the news, right? I, you know, I was at a youth camp, and the, the, the teenagers in the groups that came, we gave $10,000 for Ukraine. So I want to see what's going on now. How's it going? So you really got to dig. You really got to look. We live in a broken world. That's the point. We really do. We live in a broken world. Brokenness hurts. It's real. We can all identify whether we're religious or irreligious. If we've been to church our whole lives, never been to church at all. Everyone understands what it means to feel broken. Brokenness because of of mistakes or choices or mistakes or choices that somebody else has made that impact our lives, right? We get, we understand brokenness and uh, we understand that the world is pretty jacked up right now, that's for sure. But you know, the world has always been jacked up, always, as you study history. So notice uh, Romans 1, 21 through 23, it says, and this is in the upper right, it says, for they knew God. Uh, they did not glorify him or show gratitude. Instead, their thinking became worthless and their senseless hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images representing mortal man, birds, four-footed animals, and reptiles. That's Romans 1, uh, 21 through 23. So the fall is real. And we live in the fall. We live in this fall. We find ourselves in brokenness, uh, whether it's a bad relationship, whether it's something that's internal, whether we're addicted, whether we're depressed, whether we feel discouraged, empty, cheap, or used, whatever it is, everybody wants to find a way out. And those are those, those arrows right there. We're trying to find a way out of brokenness, right? You can see those. We're trying to get out of this. Um, and we try a new job. We try a new career. We try a new relationship. We try, we try uh, new medication. We, we try everything to get out. And I mean, sometimes we do need the medication, and I understand that. We're trying to get out. We're trying to numb the pain. We're trying to get out. What normally happens is, is at least from my own experience, is we just tend to get more broken. We just, we can't get out because well, if we could get out of brokenness, we would have already done it, right? But what we're really saying is something needs to change. And brokenness it just feels like it's so bad all the time when you live in brokenness. However, in a lot of ways, I'm thinking that maybe brokenness is a good thing. Maybe this is the way that God knocks on your door, gets your attention, right? Because you can't solve this problem yourself. You need the help, you need the help of, of God. And so God is there. God will help. When you're feeling broken inside, when things around us are messed up, that's when you know something's got to change. We're trying to do it all our own. We, we recognize we can't do it on our own, but we, we know something's got to change. We're going to do something about it. The Bible has a word for that, and the word is repent. Go ahead and throw that up there, Emma. Repent. Yeah. You can see this next line right here. It's going to come up. Get it again. Click it in right there. You'll see repent right there. We want to repent, which means we want change. We realize we can't change ourselves, but we realize 
we realize we need the help that only God provides for permanent change. So the Bible has a solution for the problem of brokenness. And that solution is right there, that third circle, the gospel. And the gospel, hey, the gospel is a Bible word, and it, it, you know what it means? It means good news, right? Uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are gospels in your Bible. If you open it up, you'll see Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These four gospel writers are actually telling the story of Jesus, who's a Middle Eastern man living in the first century, and they're telling his story. And it's like, it's, uh, they, how do I put it? So my car broke down. I had to get another car. So I got this car, and the car dealer here in town, um, Jim, no, Subaru, gave me three free months of Sirius XM radio. Anybody have XM radio? Score, right? It's awesome. So, so I'm, I'm going, hey, look at this, man. I got like 200 channels. I can listen to all the Pac-12. Go Cats. Beat USC, you know. <laughs> so I'm turning it, and I came across this channel, and I'm listening to these singers, and it's perfect harmony. I just thought, man, these, this is really good. And, and they're called the Beatles. Have you ever heard of the Beatles? Hey, I didn't, I didn't grow up listening to the Beatles. And there I'm listening to these, and I'm listening to this harmony, and it made me think, oh, that's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They harmonized the life of Christ. They're singing the life of Christ, if you will. I know you read it in the Bible, but they're singing about Jesus from their different perspectives, right? With their different vocale and everything. So anyway, if that, if that will help you let that stick, you know. <laughs> I know I'm being recorded. You said the Beatles. I said the Beatles, man. But they're harmonizing. So the gospel, it is a good word. It means good news. And this is the good news. God loves us. John 3.16 is the most well-loved verse in the entire Bible. And I've been outside of the country. I've been in Africa. And I, I was in an African village. And I said, hey, I see you guys you, as you walk with the Lord. What's the key verse for you? They said, John 3.16. I've been, I've been elsewhere, right? John 3.16. For God so loved the world in this way that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. John 3.16. That is the most well-loved verse in the Bible. You see the crazy guy at the football game with the hair, right? He's got the big fro. It's the rainbow color. He's got John 3.16, right? It's on, it's on the back of uh, um, some trucking company here in the country. I see John 3.16. I go, now don't take a picture of it. I was thinking I should take a picture of this. No, I should not. <laughs> Put my phone down. Don't do that. The good news. God loves us so much that when he sees us in our brokenness, he doesn't just leave us there hanging. In fact, 2,000 years ago, he did send his son Jesus into the world. Jesus never sinned. He never departed from God's design. Jesus is the sinless man. He never left God's design. And he willingly entered into our brokenness. This is the significance of the life of Christ. This is what you get when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You see this Middle Eastern male, right? When I say Middle Eastern male, he's, he's Brandon's complexion here, okay? For real, right? He's Middle Eastern. He's male. And so there he is. He walks in brokenness. He mixes it up with broken people all the time. Jesus is primarily in the community. He's out and about in the community. He's not in the temple or the synagogue. He's not in church all the time. He's actually in the community mixing it up. 
He's invited to weddings. In fact, at the first wedding he was at, um, they had a problem. They were running out of their, 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 their celebration wine and, uh, and they didn't know what to do. So who do you go to? You go to mama, right? You go to mom. They said, where's Mary? <laughs> Mary, your son, you gotta talk to him. And she looked at him, this is, this is Mary, right? Who gave birth to Jesus and all his brothers and sisters. And, and she said, whatever my son tells you to do, do it. Just like that, that's her intonation. Whatever my son tells you to do, you do it. That's coming straight from Mary. And what does Jesus say to do? He says, believe in me. Believe in me and your sins will be forgiven. That's what Jesus says. Jesus enters into brokenness and he, he mixes it up with people, right? And these same people who couldn't stand up for themselves, he stood up for them, he cared for people. He spoke with people nobody else would speak to. When, when Jesus is 33 years of age, these same people took him outside of Jerusalem on a hill called Golgotha and they crucified him. I mean, they put nine inch nails through his hands, through his feet, and he hung on a cross. And when you die of crucifixion, when you are crucified, and that's what that cross is in the middle right there, when you die that way, you die from asphyxiation. You can't breathe anymore because you're hanging and you can't lift it. You're yelling capacity. You have to push yourself up. I don't want to be too graphic, but they die because they can't get oxygen. So he died of, officially, he died of asphyxiation. That's from a medical doctor in Mesa, Arizona, who really studied it, wrote a paper on it. It's awesome. So I read that paper. I said, oh, this guy, he's legit. He knows what he's talking about here. So Jesus steps into brokenness. He never sinned not one single time. He died for our sin. Notice, notice on your graph here, Romans 5.8. But God proves his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So the good news, and, and you know, this sounds like bad news. Jesus died for us. He suffered. He died of asphyxiation. He shed his blood for us. That sounds kind of bad, but really it's good news because while Jesus was hanging on the cross, God did a miracle. God took the sins of the world. He took your sins. He took my sins, and he placed them on the back of Jesus, placed them on this man's back. Jesus died for our sins. He paid the penalty for our sins. Look at Romans 5.8, but God proves his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5.1, therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So the Bible says that uh, after Jesus had done everything he came to do, he died. They took his body down from a cross. They laid him in a tomb. And three days later, Jesus arose from the dead. Okay, so this is key. Jesus was resurrected from the dead. Jesus was not resuscitated from the dead. Okay, follow me here. All over Arizona today, people are being resuscitated. They've coded, their heart has stopped. They're in the ER right now. They are. I mean, my, golly, I've got a, a doctor in my family. And, and, and they do this, right? So I get to talk about all this stuff. And they, uh, they, they do CPR, right? Cardiopulmonary resuscitation. And if that's not working, then they'll use voltage. They're gonna get your heart beating. They will do the best they can. And, and many people do come back. They've coded, they've, their heart has stopped, they're dead. But they come back, they're resuscitated, okay? And you see instances of people being resuscitated in the Bible. The most famous one is Lazarus. 
in this, this poor lady, her son, the widow of Nain, her, her young son had died, and he was resuscitated, brought back to life. So you, can see, you, you see evidence of this in Scripture. People are resuscitated. They're resuscitated today. Jesus was resurrected. What that means is he came back not in a resuscitated body to die again, right? I mean, it's pretty interesting when you read about Lazarus. Jesus called him out of the tomb. He's been in the tomb <laughs> a few days. He comes out in the King James, the old, old school language, it said, and he stinketh. <laughs> I mean, the man smelled. He's been in the tomb. He's been gone for a few days, and now he's been resuscitated, okay? Only to die again. Resuscitated people will die again. My boss, uh, the great guy, the guy who hired me, um, he coded, and uh, his heart stopped. They worked on him for quite a while. They finally got the electric voltage working, and they brought him back to life, right? He lived for 10 more years, and guess what? I'm sitting there, I'm visiting him on his bed, and he goes, well, he goes, here I go again. I go, what, boss? He goes, oh, now I'm going to die again. <laughs> He's laughing about it. He knows the Lord, and I thought, oh, man, you are the man. <laughs> I remember praying with Bill. He's, he's great, and he, he died again, you know? Jesus was resurrected from the dead. You could see the nail prints in his, in his wrist. You could see the nail prints in his hands. You could see the spear on his side. And, you know, I, I have to believe they put a crown of thorns on the man's head. I have to believe you could probably see the, the, the marks of the thorns as well. And there he is, alive and well, with a new glorified body. He's the only one to be resurrected from the dead. And that's what we have to look forward to, to be resurrected one day. So what does that mean? He sure is rambling about this for a bit. Jesus was not resuscitated. He was resurrected. Which means, and this is the good news, because when he arose from the dead, he proved he could do exactly what he said he could do. Forgive you of your sin. You can be forgiven because Christ has risen from the dead. He proved he is exactly who he claimed to be, the Son of God. So this is good news. Your sins can be forgiven and you can live a new life. He can raise you from your deadness, that you're in your spiritual deadness, and give you new life and help you live. Live the life that God has created you to live within his design, not in brokenness, but with the gospel. And so what we're going to do is we're going to repent. We're going to turn from our sin, and we're going to believe. We're going to put our faith and our trust in Jesus. Look at those verses right there. It says, Or do you despise the riches, Romans 2, 4, of his kindness? is restrained, is patient, not recognizing that the kindness, that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repent, to turn from your sin. Look at Romans 10.9. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Christ loves you. God loves you. He died for you. He arose from the dead for you. If you had been the only person that left God's design and sinned, if you're the only one, Jesus would have died for you. He would have resurrected from the dead for you. Are you with me? Score. <laughs> I like this. I did not grow up this way. But I know the Lord now, and I'm so thankful that I know the Lord. Praise God. So God does a miracle. We want change. We're going to believe. We're going to believe that Jesus is the Savior. He came to rescue us from our brokenness. An amazing thing happens when we take this step. This is pretty amazing. 
We come to that moment in our lives, we turn from our sins, we turn to Jesus, God does a miracle in our hearts, He gives us a new power, He gives us a new ability, and something new inside joins us, that would be the Holy Spirit, and allows us to begin to recover and pursue God's design for our lives. Look at this, recover and pursue right there. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I'm not condemned anymore for all my evil deeds, for all your evil deeds, right? I am not condemned. I know I'm forgiven. I walk forgiven. Praise God, man. I'm, I'm a forgiven guy, right? And I like that. I like the fact that I know. Because I, I can go back. I can go back to my old neighborhood. I can go back where I was from. And they say, oh, yeah, we know this guy, right? They're, they're still afraid of my brothers, which is great. <laughs> I was just athletic. <laughs> I was not a fighter, <laughs> you know? My brothers, they are tough. I will say, this is not in my notes, I never had to get in a fight my entire life because I have two bad brothers, ever. <laughs> Even to this day. And you guys are taping me. If you guys are listening, don't mess with me. <laughs> my brothers are there. <laughs> you know? Thank God. So what's awesome, no matter what we've done, no matter where we've been, no matter how many mistakes we've made, no matter how deep our brokenness is, Jesus comes into our lives. He begins to help us recover and pursue God's design right here, right now, right where we are today. That's what Jesus does. Then we become a believer of Jesus, a follower of Christ, an amazing thing happens. God begins to bless our lives. We begin to receive God's blessing. We pray. God does hear. God does answer prayer for sure. And we begin to experience these blessings. But what I like about this, God just doesn't put us back in his design. You know what he does? God sends us back into a world of brokenness so we can tell others the good news and they can respond as well. That's what I like about being a Christian. That's what I like about faith in Christ. I know my sins are forgiven. I'm not perfect by any means. I'm not. But you know, I know I'm forgiven. Thank the Lord. So, two questions for you. They're on your page right there. I'd like you to respond. Where do you see yourself inside the three circles? Why don't you think that through? And if you want, you can draw a little X by there. Put you an X, do something. I mean, where, where are you at? Where do you see yourself in the three circles? Yeah. I talk with some people they're in God's design um, and so that's where they're at they're just contemplating what does that mean this higher power is really their brokenness I mean where are you on the three circles first and then second look on the bottom of the page I would ask you this um, would you say you know Jesus in a personal way or are you still in the process do you know Jesus personally? Do you know your sins are forgiven? Do you know you're born again? Or would you say you're just still in the process? You know, you're thinking it through. And that's okay. I thought it through for a long time. <laughs> so I'm going to pray. Let me pray. And if this prayer expresses the desire of your heart, you pray with me, all right? Father in heaven. Lord, you know, you, Father, read some about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I know in Matthew, Jesus in Matthew 11, 28 through 30, he says, Come to me, 
all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. I really like that. I like the fact that I can bring all my burdens to you. And you say, come. I don't, I, I don't have to go on a treasure hunt. You're there. You say, come to me. So, Father, I pray. I pray. If this prayer uh, speaks to you, expresses the desire of your heart, just pray with me. Dear God, I am a sinner. And I know I'm broken. And from my brokenness, I call out. And I ask you for your forgiveness. I believe Jesus is who he claimed to be. The Son of God. He died for my sins and he arose again from the dead in power on the, on the third day. So he lives. He's alive today. And I trust that. And I ask you to forgive me so I can walk in a new life. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. So if you prayed that, you let your pastor know, okay? And if you're still thinking about, um, if you're still thinking about where you stand with the Lord, if you're, I mean, do you know Jesus in a personal way? Or are you still in the process? Talk that process with your, with your people here, right? With your pastor. And uh, looking forward to being back with you, all right? And uh, pray this uh, communicated well. Give this to you, all right?